Hi everyone, welcome to This is Lasan, a podcast where we bring you stories from a diverse array of creators working to create positive change in the Lasan community and beyond. So sit back, relax, be inspired, and learn something new with us. In this episode, we are joined by Stephen Lowe, a computer engineering alumnus. Today we talked to him about his current position at Amazon and how he played a key role in the launch of Amazon Music's podcast platform. We then go back and discuss his undergraduate experience here at Lassonde, and he tells us about all the ways he got involved on campus, from extracurriculars to co-ops, and the history behind the Lassonde leather engineering jackets you might see around campus. All right, Stephen, hi, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. It's great to be here, and you know, thanks for having me here, Connor. All right, so you know, I've done some, some like reading about you, but... I'd like to get to know you a little bit better. So what year did you graduate York? I graduated York's computer engineering program back in uh, 2012. So as part of the 07 to uh, 2012 kind of cohort. Um, so it's been a, you know, a few years since I've been back uh, over at York. Computer engineering. I'm a computer science guy. So perfect. Well, right up my wheelhouse. Yeah. So where are you working now? Uh, I currently work over at Amazon, where I lead and manage uh, the engineering teams focusing on podcast creator experiences and the ad technology for facilitating podcast monetization. Yeah, so Amazon, that, I mean, that's amazing. That's, you know, that, that's Fang, you know, that's, I'm sure what a lot of our listeners would love to, to work at. How did you get that opportunity? Yeah, you know, it's, it's um, an interesting story. Um, you know, prior to joining Amazon, I was actually over at Yelp, um, based out in San Francisco. Um, I led the ads products group, uh, building out self-serve functionality for local businesses who would actually advertise on the Yelp product. Um, and I joined Amazon back in 2020 timeframe to help them scale out their podcast teams in the early days of the product at, at Amazon Music. Um, it was really close to the beginning of the pandemic when I, when I joined. Uh, which made the transition a little different and, and a bit more interesting. Um, but, you know, long story short was I was recruited by Amazon Music for this particular role. And uh, I thought it was a good opportunity at the time to, you know, make that transition in, in my career. So would you say that was similar or pretty different to your work at Yelp? Um, similar and different and, and you know, uh, different senses. I think from a similarity perspective, um, you know, uh, software engineering and, you know, the culture behind it and, you know, the way we kind of think about innovating products, um, you know, kind of very, very similar in, in, in that aspect. Um, you know, there's also kind of tangential, um, you know, uh, relationships between building an ad marketplace uh, on a search-based engine like Yelp and, you know, facilitating a lucrative ad marketplace in, you know, an audio media experience, right? Um I think different, you know, in the sense that uh, Amazon has their own culture and, you know, way of, of innovating and constructing things and, and building things. And um, Yelp also had a very unique uh, engineering kind of culture. Um, one of the best I've actually, you know, been a part of and, you know, had, had the pleasure to kind of um, operate under. So, yeah, I think, you know, definitely uh, different cultures and different styles for the most part, but ultimately, you know, both both organizations uh, really focus on you know, innovating and you know building value for customers. I mean, it sounds like sounds like really great work that 
well, not only you're doing now, but you, you were doing it, Yelp. So I was reading that Amazon Music added podcasts in 2020. Were you there when it was first added? Yeah. So I actually joined Amazon in the early stages of podcast um, where I helped them launch their services initially to four different countries. Uh, and now we've scaled their services globally to, I think, over 16 countries. Um, I actually was at more of the tail end of uh, uh, prior to the full launch of, of podcasts at Amazon uh, Music. So really the, map, the the last mile of helping them, you know, uh, uh, launch uh, this new media experience. You know, I'd love to know more about Amazon podcasts. You know, I, I love listening to podcasts. You know, we're recording one right now. Sure. <laughs> um, because, you know, I don't really use Amazon that much. So I didn't even know Amazon Music had like a podcast a system on it. So I just love to know more about it. Well, this is this is a good plug uh, for getting you guys to distribute this uh, over uh, at Amazon Music. I yeah, noticed it not there. sponsored, yeah. by the way. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, you know, podcast is, is, is interesting uh, as, you know, media experience. It's been around for, you know, over a decade now, actually. Right. And um, only, you know, in the last couple of years since the pandemic hit, has it, you know, become really a mainstream consumer experience. Right. Uh, you know, and Spotify was really the, the catalyst of, of uh, making that a mainstream consumer experience. So, you know, Amazon Music said, hey. You know, I kind of want a, a piece of that pie, and we want to get in that you know, our skin in that game as as well. And uh, that's kind of you know where the conception of of podcast kind of came about is really because of this uptick of, of you know creators wanting to create content in this new media experience and listeners uh, really adopting uh, that 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 content in you know their daily lives. You know, when I first joined Amazon, I was actually responsible for building out the entire content platform. Uh, so that includes all the acquisition systems that you know, are top of the funnel for ingesting new content from various third-party hosting platforms like Podbean, which you know, this podcast is, is, is hosted on, and systems that really you know, manage and distribute content uh, to different client services like you know, your mobile devices or Alexa devices, for instance. I also spearheaded you know, a research and development group focused on you know, AI techniques such as machine learning and natural language understanding to really interpret, you know, what podcasts are, are talking about. And then, you know, we would use a lot of that data to, to feed into, you know, different systems uh, to increase personalization experiences, content discovery. Um, and, you know, we built some really cool innovative features uh, that leverage transcriptions. But, you know, I, I think podcasts now and, you know, what my current focus is on is really around the creator economy, right? So, uh, the creator economy is something that has also taken off in, in, in the last, you know, five to 10 years. Um, so think about, you know, the YouTubers, the TikTokers and Twitch streamers of the world, right? Uh, they're all building their own sustainable businesses. Um, and uh, a lot of creators are now transitioning to, to create podcasts uh, as well. And they need the same types of tools and services that YouTube and, and, and Twitch offer them to engage with their audience and to monetize their content. So uh, that's kind of, you know, the world that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at building out here at Amazon Music now. So you said the same kind of tools to reach out to their audience. What kind of tools are 
you talking about and what kind of tools are you working on to make that possible? Yeah, a lot of it, you know, comes down to like analytics and, and insights, right? Ultimately, creators and publishers, they want data to understand you know, who's listening to their content, right? And what's the demographic of people that are listening to their content? Um, so a lot of the products and services you know, kind of stem from 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 that first, right? Which is giving creators, you know, the insights into uh, their audience, and from there, you're able to kind of provide recommendations of you know how to grow your audience space, right? You you talked about like all the great things you did when you joined, but is that work similar to the work you're doing today? So, like, what would a typical day of work for you look like? Yeah, I, you know, I think uh, in terms of when I joined and, you know, what I'm doing today, I think like the, the product space is, is you know, very different, right? Like when I joined, it was really about building the core services that, you know, power podcasts at the end of the day on a platform like Amazon Music. Um, you know, today the, 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 the product and business focus is a little bit different, you know, more tailored towards, you know, the supporting the creator, right? Building tools and services to support the creator. But my days as a, you know, engineering manager really vary depending on, you know, the time of the year and, and the season really, uh, which always makes the job a little interesting. You know, at a, at a high level, I would say my role really revolves around like three, three pillars, three major pillars. Uh, and, you know, I classify those as people, technology and, and product. And a big part of what I do, you know, revolves around supporting my software engineers and my managers through, you know, active coaching, you know, through career development, uh, unblocking my team where I can and inspiring them with with a vision. Um, you know, from a technology perspective, uh, I really look at ensuring, you know, that the software and, and products that my team builds are of the highest quality for, for our customers. Uh, and we're able to create sustainable mechanisms in terms of how we operate and, and build software to effectively produce those results. And then I think from lastly, a, a product perspective, you know, I work with a lot of cross-functional uh, partners and various leadership teams to ensure that we're making the right decisions for our customers and for our business. Uh, and sometimes this entails, you know, planning roadmaps that span one to three years out, forecasting what funding is needed from a people and technology point of view to accomplish what we want to accomplish and, that's at a high level, kind of how it is really the globe. What would you say is your favorite part about the job? Or do you have multiple? Um, it's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I, I love what I do um, because, you know, I'm, I'm problem solving every day. Uh, and I get to work with people who are, you know, equally passionate about the space as, as I am. And I think when you bring together a diverse set of people who have, you know, different perspectives backgrounds and you know experiences to put all that together to really solve a, a problem you're really able to kind of make an impact in some sense or another and I, I think to like build a product or a set of services in that type of environment um, that makes you know societal impact and, and change is probably what you know I, I really love most about what I do I mean that's that's great that's fantastic so we've talked a lot about you know your career now but I kind of want to take it back a bit, you know, your origin story, I guess. Um, sure. So how did you know that engineering was the right major for you and how, and how, computer engineering specifically? Right. You know, I've, I've always had sort of a, 
uh, a builder mindset, you know, growing up and have had like very early exposure to technology. My dad, who's also a York graduate, had actually built a very successful career in the technology industry um, and has been really, you know, a, a continuing influence of, of mine. So, you know, I, I think like early days learning the application behind, you know, science and theory has always been like a very fascinating thing, you know, for me throughout school. Um, and, you know, engineering was really that that perfect fit of, of bridging, you know, science and, and application. Um, so it's kind of always something I, I, I knew I wanted to do, you know, growing up, um, you know, and, and really it's like a combination of like design, innovation, science and application, as I said. I, I think like there's always been a lot of those influences with, with that, you know, builder mentality. And what about York specifically? Like, what made you think, yes, I want to go to Lausanne? But at the time when I when I was at York, it was a very small engineering school when I attended uh, in 2007 timeframe. Uh, and I think there was only three core engineering programs uh, at the time. Uh, it was computer, geomatics, and space engineering. And I think a big driver for me, like, choosing York was, you know, that small community um, I really felt like resources were more accessible through a smaller community and, you know, you know, the potential to learn and engage was, you know, much greater than maybe a larger program. You know, those were kind of the drivers that led me to, to choose the York program. Yeah, those are good reasons. So in your university experience outside of class, what kind of extracurriculars and activities did you do? Yeah, you know, outside of you know, class. Um, uh, there was a couple of years I actually participated in the engineering society or, you know, the EngSoc at York uh, as the VP of external affairs at the time. I'm not sure if that, that role still exists. Um, but, you know, there I, I really got to help grow the, the engineering program at York. And, you know, one of the things that we were able to do during during that time I was there is Bring York into, I think it was like the, the ESCO AGM, which is, you know, the annual general, general meeting for like all engineering societies, uh, uh, within Ontario. And it was really like a great opportunity to number one, grow York's program, but like let Ontario schools and students know that, you know, Hey, this is an upcoming, uh, you know, program in school that, that, you know, has really great talent uh, as well and a lot of great resources. Um, so I spent a lot of time, you know, through, um, you know, that form in, in the engineering society as, as, as uh, something that I did outside of class. Uh, one of the cool things that we did as well was kind of introduce the tradition of engineering leather jackets over at York. Uh, it was a very common thing that we noticed like other schools did. Um, so, you know, usually you'd have the year of graduation on, on, on one side of your sleeve, you know, the crest in the middle, uh, and then your, you know, uh, your, your work stream um, or your major on kind of the, the other side of your sleeve. So that was like kind of the first entry into, into that, establishing that tradition. But yeah, you know, it was, it was you know, a really, really great way to like connect with people uh, at the end of the day and, uh, and network, you know, across a broad, you know, range of students. So yeah, that was kind of one of the memorable things that I feel like I was involved in. Memorable is the right word because you'll be happy to know the leather jacket tradition still stands strong today. I see people yeah. around the birds wearing them all the time. So you that's crazy. You and your team, you did something special. So outside of those, did you do any co-ops or internships? 
Yeah, I, I also did, um, you know, a set of, of co-ops or interns, depending on, you know, how you, how you like to classify them. But I think, you know, during my years, um, you know, York did have an internship program, but it wasn't very widely popular in, you know, the engineering school. Um, but I had gone through that internship program with York for uh, a four-month stint. Uh, and that was over at BlackBerry or at the time, you know, Research in Motion. And this was like really when they were at the peak of like mobile innovation. But, you know, outside of York's intern program itself, um, I kind of had like made my own like pseudo co-op program for myself uh, and really just like made a goal for myself that every summer, you know, I would target at finding relevant work experience. Um, and, you know, that's kind of what I did, you know, at the end of every year, Going into summer, I worked at organizations at Waterloo, um, you know, for a security software startup. Um, I had an intern or co-op at IBM. Um, and I even worked a term at, uh, you know, York's environmental studies web development team uh, for, for a term. So uh, it was a lot of great experience that, you know, I was kind of able to gain like throughout like my education and really pair that with with, you know, uh, what I was doing in school. Your initiative is admirable. Thanks. And how would you say that aided or prepared you for your future endeavors? Yeah, you know, I think like I'm, I'm a big I'm a big uh, promoter of uh, getting involved into co-ops. Um, you know, it really gave me, you know, a taste of like what software engineering was like in the industry and, you know, what I liked and, and didn't like about about it. You know, um, my first like co-op program, I was actually a, a quality engineer. Uh, so as part of that, you know, I was really exposed to building a lot of, you know, automated test frameworks. Um, and it wasn't the most exciting thing, to be quite honest, as, you know, your first co-op experience. Um, but, you know, you learn kind of different assets of, um, you know, cloud computing or, um, you know, web development. And, you know, you're kind of able to kind of branch out into to different areas of software engineering. And that's kind of what the co-op experience, you know, had, had really done for me. So when I you know, was fully immersed uh, post-graduation into, you know, the workforce, uh, I kind of knew already, like, you know, how to operate and what I wanted to do, what opportunities I wanted to seek. You know, and I'm sure all you talked about, you know, the networking, you know, getting involved in the workforce, I'm sure that helped tremendously when you were searching jobs post-grad, right? Yeah, you know, it, it, it did. I actually started my career, you know, at IBM in, you know, the research and development lab at Markham. Part of, you know, the reason of me being able to do that was because, you know, I, I interned there, right? And um, post-graduating my master's degree, they offered me a, a, a full-time job. And, you know, that's how I kicked off my career. Wow. It's a, you know, just getting yourself out there, that, that really helps. Yeah, it certainly does. So you've worked in this industry in a variety of jobs, right? From, you know, startups to you know, large established companies. So how different are those two environments? Was it sort of a, a culture shock going from one to another? You know, I, I wouldn't say, you know, so much a, a, a culture shock. You know, every, every company I've worked for uh, has a bit of a different culture, as we talked about earlier with, you know, Yelp and Amazon, for instance. Um, but, you know, I, I, I would say that, you know, the, the, the difference between, um, you know, more established companies and, and startups is, you know, the, the types of problems you're solving and, you know, the stage that the business is in. Um, you know, if you're very early days for a startup company, for instance, you know, the way you build products and, you know, the way you, you know, kind of build software 
the mentality is a little bit different. The types of trade-offs you make uh, are also a little bit different, right? Um, you know, you want to be, be able to build value for customers very quickly, right? Um, you know, I think with larger organizations, depending on the team that you, you, you know, you work on, things are a little bit more uh, methodical in terms of like how you build and how you think about problems and, um, you know, the types of problems you're building for. You might be thinking about handling scale or, you know, availability, um, you know, at, at a very, you know, broad sense, right? So, you know, again, I think that was probably, you know, the biggest jump uh, in terms of going from a startup to, you know, a larger organization is, you know, that level of maturity and, you know, types of problems that you're solving for the business at, you know, whatever particular time, you know, point in time that they're in. So what about places, you know, around the world? Yeah, like I know you've worked at a variety of places in Canada, but have there been any other companies outside of Canada that you worked at? Yeah. So, you know, as I, as I mentioned, I started off my career in, in Toronto. Um, I was born and raised out in out in Toronto as well, went to school out there. Um, and then, you know, I, I think shortly into my career, I had actually moved out to New York City. Um, so, you know, really part of the mid-size tech startup scene uh, in New York. So really was able to immerse myself in, in, in that experience for a number of years. And then I made my way out to San Francisco and, and Silicon Valley, um, you know, worked out there for, you know, a few years. And uh, now, you know, still based out in uh, California, still have teams out in San Francisco. Um, but, you know, I've, I've actually moved down to Los Angeles with my wife uh, pretty recently in the last year or so. And, you know, I have a set of teams uh, in my organization out here as well. So I've kind of been all, you know, in all these kind of major, major, large cities and I've been able to kind of experience the tech scene in, in each respective one, uh, which has been a little bit different uh, for, for each city. Yeah, that is great. Um what would you say would be the biggest differences between places? Like, let, let's say like Toronto and Silicon Valley. Yeah, I mean, you know, East East Coast and 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 West Coast, I, I think very different. You know, I, I I would say like the level of talent. You know, Toronto has some fantastic you know engineering talent and has some fantastic you know engineering schools as well. And what you're actually seeing is a lot of like companies and organizations like migrate you know over to Toronto and, and open offices, right? San Francisco and Silicon Valley, I, I do think like there's nothing like it still. Um, the amount of you know venture capitalist funding that is out there, um, you know, everyone in, in 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 that city is is really kind of there for you know a reason, right? And you know, if you walk into any coffee shop or, or restaurant, you'll hear people talking about the next product or you know, the next set of things that they're doing. And it's very stereotypical in some sense. But, you know, I would say the the, the community in, in, in San Francisco is very homogeneous in compared to Toronto, right? Like everyone is in tech, right? And you say, hey, you know, what do you do? Uh, you meet someone, you know, at a coffee shop, right? It's like, well, I'm in tech. It's like, well, I'm also in tech, right? So, you know, I, I, I think like, from a networking perspective, and especially if you're starting your own company, immersing yourself in that community and, and, and that you know network uh, in Silicon Valley is you know something that's really unparalleled, right? And you won't be able to find that in in Toronto, uh, at least from my perspective, or at least uh, at that caliber. I think that's the impression that you know a lot of people have. Like I have it too. It's like actors have Hollywood, and you know tech people kind of have Silicon Valley. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it very much is the case. But, you know, I think like the pandemic has also been like a big driver of, you know, distributing both talent and, you know, funding uh, to like different cities, right? And across the world. 
Um, so, you know, I think you're, you're starting to see a lot more maturity into, you know, these other like big hubs like Toronto. And um, again, like, why is that the case? Well, you know, there's a lot of great talent out in, out in Canada. And you know, even here at Amazon, we hire a lot of Canadians, right? Both from, you know, for co-ops and internships, but also, you know, for full time as well. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like breaking down that that barrier that if you couldn't be there in person, but now you could be there remotely. So now you're just seeing all these new people who probably wouldn't have the opportunity before. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's becoming much more of a distributed workforce, I think. And, you know, uh, companies are taking more more risk and not being afraid to expand, you know, where they're you know, located. So I would like to ask, you know, in your experience, what would you say have been the biggest challenges you faced? Yeah, you know, I think... You know, one of the, the the big challenges, you know, for me, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's more so around like, you know, learning new technology or finding opportunity that, you know, I really uh, am looking for and, and, and passionate about. But I think like I've, I've very much lived a, a nomad lifestyle, um, you know, since graduation. I've been, you know, all over to many of these new cities. Um, and I wouldn't trade that experience, you know, for anything. You know, I, I really... Um, you know, do value uh, the opportunities that, you know, I've, I've been provided. Um, but, you know, also, you know, my my first move to the United States, uh, like that wasn't the easiest. Right? I moved to New York City and it was a brand new city where I didn't have any family or, or friends. And, you know, it was it was pretty tough to, you know, adjust you know to that setting while, you know, you're being kind of hit with a bunch of you know, new things to learn at, at work. Um, so, you know, I think like having a community of, of people around you, and it took me a while to kind of build that community up in, in New York, uh, is like super important. And uh, it really, you know, goes a long way. So how did you build that community up? Yeah, you know, it was really immersing myself in, 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 in the work, the workforce. Uh, I made a lot of lifelong friends, organizations I worked for in New York. And, um, you know, they're still kind of friends, you know, today. Um, we don't see each other, obviously, as as often, given that we're living in, you know, uh, different cities. But um, we do keep in touch and, uh, you know, visit each other kind of uh, ever so often. But I, I think, like, really being open to, like, building relationships um, was, you know, the big thing and putting yourself out there. And, you know, it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable at first. Um, but I think, you know, if you are open to, to making new connections, uh, it really goes a long way. And, and you know, people will kind of recipro- reciprocate with that as well. Now that's, that's great. That's honestly really great advice. I, I could I could use some of that too. <laughs> but, you know, listening to you, it sounds like you've had a really exciting journey, but the kind that many students listening would like to have. I know you already gave some some advice and some tips, but what would you say would be the best qualities a student can have to make it in this industry? Yeah, you know, I, I, I would say like three, three big things in terms of like qualities. Um, I would say like one, like being tenacious and taking broad ownership. Uh, if you, you know, really keep working towards what you're passionate about, like opportunities will really open for you. You know, the second thing I, I think is like index very high on on curiosity uh, and be open to to learning new things. Uh, seek as much diverse feedback, you know, as as you can. 
there's a psychology study that really outlines, you know, the best types of environments for people to learn and, and grow in. And usually that environment is, you know, a healthy um, mix of doing things that you're good at and doing things that, you know, you're uncomfortable uh, uh, at. Um, and if you aren't doing things that like make you uncomfortable, you aren't growing. Right. And I think like the third thing, like what we talked about before is, is, you know, being open to building meaningful connections. Um, people are such an important factor in this industry. Uh, and if you build meaningful connections, you'll be able to work towards, you know, solving challenging problems, making societal change and really making impact, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in, in people's lives. Perfect. I really, really like that answer. You know, it can, you know, in this industry, it's, it's a really fast moving industry when it comes to like innovations and new technology. And it's important that, you know, again, you're open to learning new things. You're really involved with the people. So, you know, you don't get left behind. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, <laughs> you know, I think at the end of the day, <clears throat> one of the things that I value most in my career uh, especially over the last you know decade or so, was and are you know the the, the people that I've met right and uh, the connections that I've built and I've built some really cool things uh, I think in in my time in, in software engineering and you know the most memorable thing is not you know the the products that I've really outputted at the end of the day or the impact I've made to a particular business but whenever I transition to a new opportunity the thing that I walk away with is you know really the the people that I've worked with and the people that I've met and the connections I've made um so I think it you know goes a, a very long way all right steven that was that was great i don't really have anything else to ask you <laughs> awesome well thanks connor appreciate you having me here we hope you enjoyed today's episode as a podcast host, it was interesting learning the history behind Amazon's podcast platform and the ways it integrates with their other services. Maybe some of you are listening from Amazon Podcasts right now. Hmm, how meta. Until next time, thanks for joining me on This is Lasand.